Good morning. So, we've been in the book of Mark for a year and a half, and last two weeks ago we went over really the, his last words, his last teaching uh, on the temple grounds, and we saw him depart, and it was the last time that he was in the temple courts, the next time he'll be in the temple will be upon his return, and when he leaves at the end of chapter 12 and the beginning of chapter 13, he begins to tell his disciples about his return. Do you know that in the Bible, there for every one reference of Jesus coming the first time to suffer and go to the cross, there are eight references or verses regarding the retur- second return, of, or the second coming of Jesus Christ, the return of Jesus Christ. And as I was getting into my preparation to discuss that, I realized this is so much deeper, heavier, and complicated than I have the ability to do this Sunday. So I'm going to take another week to prepare for that, uh, one more week. And so this morning we're going to do something different. We're in the book of John, chapter 9, a very familiar story. The man born blind, healed by Jesus. Why don't you rise for the... Uh, reading of God's Word. Please rise for the reading of God's Word. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, English or Spanish. We are in John chapter 9. John chapter 9, verse 1 says this. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Let's pray. Lord, of this I am sure that every one of us in this room has had a blindness or has a blindness now. And that there's a reason for it. It's that the works of God should be revealed. And Lord, I I pray in Jesus' name, I pray for the fruition of that, the manifestation of that, that your work being revealed as you bring us from blindness to sight. 
Ephesians chapter 1, the prayer, Lord, I pray it now for me, I pray it for us, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So again, it says in verse 1, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. I want to just give a little bit of the setting there. Remember, there are no chapter breaks when this book, the book of John, was written. There wasn't a nine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There was, it was just one long, continuous writing. That's why we read the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse at, at Calvary Chapel. So what, what went on right before that? What went on right before that? Well, an extraordinary scene. Verse 56 Jesus is talking to people in the temple courts, and he said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Now, Abraham lived 1,500 years before Jesus said this. And here Jesus is telling them, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. In verse 57, the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him. Why'd they do that? Because they knew, and all who were in Jesus' hearing knew that that little phrase, I am, was the name of God. After Moses had been in the, uh, exiled from Egypt for... It was a self-exile for 50 years, or 40 years rather. God came to him in the burning bush and sent him back to uh, the people of Israel who were in slavery. And, he, and, he, and God told him, and you're going you're gonna to deliver them. Uh, you're going to lead them in a delivery uh, from slavery. And he says, well, who, who, who am I supposed to say sent me? In other words, if they ask me the name of the one who uh, told me to, to tell them, here, uh, I'm going to lead you out of slavery. What, it, what name do I give? And he said what? He said, I am. I am who I am. And so they say, you're not 50 years old. And you've seen Abraham? He says, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. 
And then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. And verse 1 says, As he passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. He was blind from birth. And verse 2 says, And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, I, I find this uh, quite extraordinary. Uh, Jesus uh, is literally just coming from people trying to kill him, and he's drawn to a man who's born blind. He's drawn to a sinner. That is who Jesus is. is it, Jesus, aren't you traumatized? They just tried to stone you. Jesus, uh, 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 you got to get out of here. These guys are, try, are trying to kill you. And he's drawn to a blind man. He's drawn to a sinner. Let me tell you, Calvary Chapel, when you sin, and every one of you has, today and every day for your whole life. But when you sin, and you, you sin even bad, you fall on your face really bad. You, you choose sin. The first reaction we have when that happens is that we, we, we want to we wanna hide from God. Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the middle of the garden, what did they do? They tried to hide. What did God do? He went looking for them. Jesus is drawn to sinners. He's drawn to blindness. He's drawn to sickness. God's ways are so much higher than our ways. High as the heaven is above the earth. If you're here this morning and it was everything just to get here because you know what you did this week, you know you shouldn't have been smoking on that blunt, you know you shouldn't have gone into bed with that man. You know that when, you, when you, you barked at that person at work or that family friend or that spouse, you know it was wrong. And it was all that you can do just to get here to church. You better know this. God's drawn to you. He's not pushing you away. He's drawn. He's, why did you do? Why did you do that? Why did you smoke that blunt? Why did you get in bed with that man? Why did, why did you, you, you bark out? Why did you respond in anger? Blindness. Blindness. Let me tell you, if you knew how much God loves you and the glory of God, you wouldn't be sinning. I wouldn't be sinning. We wouldn't be sinning. It's blindness. But he's drawn to your blindness. He's drawn to it, and he wants to heal it. 
So much so, there's people trying to stone the guy. It says, as he passed by out of the midst of him, he stops. That's how, that's how drawn he is to you in your sin. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind, verse 2? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jordan, in his announcements, announced that we are going to be, I think it's May 7th, starting a six-week workshop on how to share your faith. I teach it. We've changed the time this year. We've been doing it for years and years. If someone came up to you and they asked you, how do I become a Christian? Can you crisply, simply, and succinctly, clearly, explain how to get to heaven? That's what we do for six weeks, for about two or three hours each Saturday, starting May 7th. And we have this, and, and in the presentation, uh, it begins by asking people permission um, to speak with them for a few minutes to explain how they can know for certain they can get to heaven. And if they give permission, Yes, okay, yeah, I'm willing. I know you're a complete stranger. I've never met you in my life, and I think it's kind of weird that you're asking me to do this right now. But yes, I, 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 will, I, I will listen to you. This is how we begin the presentation. We say this. It may surprise you to learn that the Bible actually warns against religion. Religion is made up of man-made rules and rituals, but God doesn't want us to be religious. He wants us to be in a loving relationship with him. I would say about at least a third of the people in this room know that as you have been through this presentation. It may surprise you that the Bible warns against religion. And, and believe me, that's putting it softly. If the truth be told, the Bible teaches that God hates religion. And Jesus came to destroy it. Look no further than John chapter 9, verses 2 through 6. Uh, the question that the disciples ask in verse 2 represented the prevailing religious attitude of the day. If a child was born blind or deaf or mute or physically deformed, or if there was any tragedy really in anyone's life, it was because of a specific sin of the parents or the child. Now, it's true, all sickness relates back to Adam and Eve. And it's also true, by the way, that sometimes sickness God brings into a, a life as a chastening, as a discipline because of sin. But as a general matter, people get sick because that's the human condition. It has nothing to do with a specific sin of the child or their parents. But at the time, and, and, and this is religion, this is superstition, I, I, this is all, all the time, um, we, even in Christian circles, oh, this really bad thing happened to them, well, I wonder what sin they must be in. 
Why does God hate man-made religion? Because it torments the human soul. <laughs> Can you imagine living with that burden? Can you imagine living with that torment? That your child is blind because some sin that you did. Or, here's a more common one, that your child's in rebellion. Your child has left Jesus Christ because of some sin that you did. Now again, that can happen sometimes, but, but, but that, that really is man-made religion. Jesus came to destroy it. He's, he's teaching you and teaching me um, to get rid of that blame-shifting attitude. He's saying in, in verse um, three, he says, neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I, I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He, he's, he, he's just bringing light into this situation and the religious attitudes that even his disciples had. They've been hanging out with him for a while now. And they're still coming up with this crazy religious superstitious, superstitious stuff. Religion's filled with superstition. The light, the light of the world, the spirit of God displaces it, disseminates it, it disperses. Get rid of this blame shifting thing. This, is, uh, this addiction is my mother's fault, my father's fault, my uncle's fault. This anger problem I have is, is my father's fault. It's the fault of the school system. It's the fault of the government. My inability to get a job, my inability to stay in a relationship, my failed marriage, my depression, my anxiety, my bipolar issue. It's their fault. Jesus says, no, don't go there. <laughs> don't go there. That thing in your life, I'm just speaking to each one of you, that thing in your life is there so the works of God may be displayed. That the work of God would be revealed in your life. Verse 6. Because when he sat, said, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind with the clay. Now, um, anyone who has, has any familiar, familiarity with um, Jesus and his miracles, sometimes he just spoke the word, and someone was healed. Here he decides to, to make some mud and, and put it on this person's eyes. And, and another time he, he put his fingers in the guy's ear. Another time he, he spit and put it, he didn't make any mud. He just went directly into the eyes. Why does he make mud? What's all this with making mud? Make mud? Well, he does it very intentionally because what's going on here, Jesus, this guy is a radical dude. Of course, he can be radical and be completely gentle at the same time. I have really hard times doing that. But he's deliberately breaking their Sabbath human tradition. Why do I say that? Well, because there's, um, as many of you know, uh, the 
Fourth commandment, ten commandments. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all, uh, all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord, it, and in it you shall do no work. And there were 39 real long paragraphs in the Jewish Talmud defining what, what work was, and among others, you shall not pick up mud or dough. Same word, by the way, for mud or dough, and knead it. Jesus comes to destroy religion. He wants a relationship. God hates religion. He wants relationship. And so he's destroying, intentionally destroying the religious tradition and and exposing it for what it is. It's just a burden. It torments the soul. Just like trying to live under the the guilt that your son or or daughter has some... uh, disability and must have something to do with you is a torment to the soul. It's also a torment to the soul to be living with man-made traditions like this. And so he intentionally goes in uh, and, and, he, and he makes the mud and, and he anoints the, the eyes of the blind man um, with the clay. Verse 7 says, and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam which is translated sent. So he went, he washed, and he came back seeing. By the way, that's a little salvation. That's a little gospel message right there. He went, he washed, and he came back seeing. You go to Jesus, you get washed by saying, Jesus, would you come into my life? I'm tired of being my own God. You be my God. My God. And you're washed and you go away seeing. Verse 8 says, Therefore the neighbors and those who had previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? Verse 9 said, Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, No, I'm he. Verse 10, therefore they said to him, how were your eyes opened? Verse 11, he answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went, I washed, and I received sight. Then they said to him, where is he? Meaning, where is this guy who cleansed you, who healed you of your blindness. Where is he? And he said, I do not know. Verse 13, they brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay, see that? And opened his eyes. Verse 15, then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Verse 16, therefore some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Meaning, Jesus is not from God. He didn't keep the Sabbath. He he, he kneaded the dough, the mud, in his hands. He violated the Sabbath. 
Others said, middle of 16, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? If he wasn't from God, how could he do these signs? And there was a division among them. Jesus said, I came not to bring peace, but bring division, a sword. He really does. That does happen in families and neighborhoods and offices. With Jesus Christ, division comes. He is the Prince of Peace. As we will, God willing, talk about next week, He is going to come and reign. And there will be peace in every human heart at that point. But until then, there's division. It says there was a division among them. Verse 17, they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. This man, by the way, was uneducated. He'd been a beggar. He'd blind from birth. And these guys who, as we have discussed in the past, these guys were some serious intellectual snobs. And, 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 and I don't say that to point fingers at them. Believe me, that's the whole, my, my whole life prior to Christ and my family. But that's what they were. They were intellectual snobs. And, they're, and you know you're hurting for an answer. You know you're hurting bad for an answer when, you, when these men we've already discussed, they look down upon the uneducated masses. They're asking him, well, what do you say about this man? He said he's a prophet. He's just doing the best that he can do here, this guy. Verse 18 says, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, we know that this man is our son, And that he was born blind, verse 21, but by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he, Jesus, was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. He would be put out of church. Verse, 23, verse 24, rather. So they again called the man who was uh, blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know this man is a sinner. Verse 25. And this, oh man, this, is, this is just warms my heart every single, I've read this a hundred times. Every time it just warms my heart the next few verses. He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Wow. There is a time to speak like this.
There is a time to speak, that this is grace when you speak like this. The Bible says in, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, let your speech always be with grace. But listen, Calvary Chapel, this is what grace looks like sometimes. Grace is, that the word means gift. This is what gifting, this is what giving a gift to someone looks like sometimes. I've already said. I've already told you. But you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Now, I, I, I don't know. That, that, that may be some sarcasm there. His old man <laughs> uh, seeping in. Do you also want to be his, his, his disciples? Verse 28, then they reviled him, meaning insulted him, and said, you are, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know this, that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. Verse 30, the man answered and said to them, why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now, we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Verse 34, they answered and said to him, You're, you were completely born in sin, and you are teaching us, and they cast them out. The Bible says that anyone who lives a godly life in Christ Jesus will be, shouted out, persecuted. persecuted. And, meaning, if, there's, if you can't see any persecution in your life, sorry, this is... I got to I got to I got to regularly remind myself and you of this. If there's nothing resembling persecution in your life, people isolating you or a friend isolating you or a family member, you have to wonder, have to seriously question, have to get on your face and ask God, God, am I really truly longing to live a godly life in Christ Jesus? Because there is opposition anytime you are walking with the Lord. They cast them out, verse 34. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, isn't that, isn't that great? So Jesus hears about this, and he finds out this guy had been cast out. Jesus is drawn to sinners. He's also drawn to those who Mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. Jesus' most favorite, uh, famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount, begins with, among other things, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be, shout it out. Shout it out a little louder. Comforted. He's drawn to the sinner. He's drawn to the blind. He's drawn to those who are weeping and who are mourning. When you're kicked out of the temple or the synagogue 
in 3132 AD. It wasn't like being asked to leave a church in Boston. You asked to leave a church in Boston, you go to another church in Boston. No such thing at this time. The entire community, the entire religious community revolved around the temple. This guy, really early on, really early on in his walk with God, he's cast out of the temple. He's persecuted. He's he's now a pariah. He's going to be shunned. You've heard the expression, "I, I gave my life to Jesus and all hell broke loose. That is a biblical term. It's a biblical thing. Hell does break loose. Demons are stirred up when anyone comes to God. He's cast out. But, oh man, just be encouraged with this verse. When Jesus heard this, he came to him. He sought him out. He seeks you out. He doesn't leave you as an, a weeping orphan. He knows your frame. He knows that you're made out of dust, the Bible says. And it says he comes to him. And when he had found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? This guy was just so ripe. Just praying this morning. I have a prayer service at 9.30 a.m., that God would make your hearts right, you who are sitting in this room. Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered him, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? He knew that God was working powerfully. In verse 37, it said, Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Verse 38, and then he said, Lord, I believed, and he worshiped him. Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Why do we come here on Sunday mornings to read the Bible? Why do we do that? To read, go through it chapter by chapter, verse by verse. It is so, by the end of the message, you're doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing as this, as, this, as this man. You're believing and you're worshiping. What is worship? It's a very high priority in the Bible. The Bible says that God is searching for those in just a couple few chapters earlier, previous to this, it says that um, God is, the Father is searching for those to worship Him in spirit and in truth. What is worship? 
worship is not a song. It's not a song. Worship is the heart behind a song. Worship is the heart behind this man who, as the chapter draws to a close, by the end, he says, I believe and he worship. Worship is that, is, is, is really a heartbeat. That's what it is. It's a heartbeat. It's a thing of the heart. Man, you can wave your hands like crazy during worship, and you might not be doing a, a lick of worshiping. Worship is a heartbeat in which the heart is saying, God, my life is all about you. God, my life is all about you. It's all about you. Heartbeat, heartbeat, boom, 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 boom. All about you, all about you, all about you, all about you. You do that during a worship song, then the song is worship. You do that during a message, and, tour, and, and as the message closes, you, you know what worship is. This guy's worshiping. Father, Jesus says the Father is seeking those to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what worship is. It's a heart that goes, my life's all about you, all about you, all about you. It's more than just wanting to be all about God. Wanting to, to, your life to be all about God is not worship. That's falling short of worship. Worship is actually getting to the place like this man who's gone, he, this guy has lived, been in a living hell. Hell broke loose after this guy got saved. There's a question whether he's saved yet um, before he does the worshiping, but, but, but hell di did break loose. He's kicked out of the temple by uh, uh, men who are influenced by the devil. Read chapter, chapter 8 if you don't believe that. Jesus had just called the Pharisees your children of the devil in John chapter 8, and, 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 and hell broke loose, and then he comes and, do you believe in the Son of God? Just tell me who he is and I'll believe. I'm he. And he believes and he worships. Verse 39, Jesus says, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. That's a really scary verse and a really wonderful verse. Again, verse 39, for judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see may see and that those who see may be made blind. This just happened in this chapter. It just happened, it just happened, it just happened. What do I mean by that? Well, he says, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see. And notice how that happened with this guy. You know, it's not a coincidence that the Bible, uh, the, the blindness is the human condition. Jesus says, I came into this world that those who do not see may see and, 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 and that those who see may be made blind. There, there is um, many cases um, in the 
scripture and the New Testament of Jesus healing. It's, it's interesting. Well, he healed hundreds of people, but only certain of those hundreds are actually recorded. Uh, there are more cases of blindness healed than any other affliction, and that's not a coincidence. There is uh, one death and dumb healed. There's one sick of the palsy, one sick of fever, two instances of lepers, uh, three dead raised, but five blind. Five. Blindness is the human condition. It's the human story. It's the story of, about every human being. We're born blind, just like this man. We are born blind, Ephesians 2. We're born blind and dead. Read the first uh, three or four verses of Ephesians chapter 2. That's your homework. But we're, we're born blind and dead. Jesus comes to give light, to give, um, to give sight, to give life. How many times in your own life? Was there something in your own life, there was something that you did that you've asked yourself a thousand times, since, how could I have done that? How could I have done that? How can I have done that? Blindness. And thank God that God is giving you, taking the blinders off your eyes that now you even understand that you were blind. That you're even saying that. How could I have done this? But he says again here, he says, I've come into the world that those who do not see may see. Now, we just saw that. And just turn back with me um, to, with this, we, we just saw that with this man born blind, you see a gradual progression where he goes from blindness to sight. At the end, at the first, he's completely in the dark. At the end, his eyes are wide open and he's worshiping. He's believing and worshiping. Listen, there is no worship without belief. He's believing and he's worshiping. Uh, look with me um, in, in verse uh, 10 of this chapter. It, it says, therefore they said to him, how were your eyes open? Um, he answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed mine. So he begins with calling him a man. That's how he begins. But then look at verse uh, 17 says they said to the man blind man again what do you say about him uh, because he opened your eyes he said well he's a prophet see the progression there now he's a prophet see the eyes opening up and the greater the trial the more this guy the spirit of god is just coming upon them um, it, it it says that uh, you know they they go to the man again and they say in verse 28, they reviled him, they insulted him, they said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that, the, uh, that, that God spoke to Moses, and as for this fellow, we do not know where he's from. And, and then he says in verse 33, he says, if this man were not from God, he can do nothing. You see the progression? First he's a man, then he's a prophet, now he's from God. And then in verse 35, Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of God? In verse 36, he says, just tell me as I will believe. Jesus says, you have both seen him and as he was talking with you, Lord, I believed and he worshiped him. His eyes are wide open by this time. He sees. So again, in verse 38, what does it say? It says, for judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see may see. But then it says, one of the other reasons Jesus came in, into, the, into the world, and this is frightening, that those who see may be made blind. And you just, you just read about it. You just read about it. 
Go back to verse 15. It says the Pharisees also asked him, meaning the guy who had been given his sight, he asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and, and I washed and, and I see. So at this point, these guys, I be- really believe. They, 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 they see, they, they get it. There's a miracle that happened in their midst and, and, and they see it, but what do they do? They don't back off. They don't like the idea of someone having authority in their life. They don't like the idea of the Son of God coming in and, and, and claiming ownership of their life. And, and so what do they do? They, it says in verse 17, they said to the blind man again, what do you say about this man? He, is a, uh, he says he's a prophet, but they didn't believe that he had been blind and received his spirit until they called his par- the parents of him who had received his sight. They told him. No, yeah, he was, he, this guy actually, he was, the, our son was blind and now he can see. But instead of right there submitting to God, yes, you are God. How many times have, have, have I, I talked with um, unbelievers, God has acted clearly in their life obviously, totally, miraculously healed them or a cousin or did some miraculous thing, brought someone back from death unto life, and, 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 but they persist in unbelief. That's exactly what they do. They go to his parents then, and his parents said, yeah, um, that, that is our, that's our son. Uh, he's, uh, he was born blind. He can see, but we do not know how, why. And, and, and so at that, at that time, you see, they persist anyway, so they called the blind man again. Give God the glory. We know this man is a sinner. You see, they, they knew, but they're acting in rebellion now, and, and their eyes are closing. They're closing. They're closing. Are you here today? And, and the Lord has made it really, really clear to you. He's made it really, really clear uh, to you. In, in, in the uh, book of Galatians, um, for example, in the book of Galatians, it says that the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition. Oh, what the world does. What some of you may be doing right now because of selfish ambition. He continues with the works of the flesh. Dissensions, meaning divisions, gossiping. Heresies, believing your own little pet belief that has nothing to do um, with the Bible. Verse 21, envy, persisting in envy. Murders, drunkenness, revelry. And the like, of which I told you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are you here this morning? And you have been told, just like these people, it was so obvious that the work of God in their midst, but they kept on persisting. They went to the man twice. Uh, They went to the man twice. Then they went to his parents. Then they went to the man again. They went to the man again. And then, uh, and then finally in verse 34, it says, they answered and said to him, you were completely born in your sins. Are you teaching us? And they cast him out. Right then, their eyes are completely shut. They are on their way to eternity of judgment. 
eternal judgment by that point. Not there's not room for repentance, but, but, but the Bible does speak of this, this concept that if a person is told again and again and again and again, and they persist in it, it says eventually they'll be choosing unbelief. You see, sin is just a front for unbelief. We don't believe, we choose not to believe in Jesus Christ because we love our sin. And, and, and so they loved this idea of complete sovereignty over their own life. And, and so they, it just gets to the point where their eyes are, are totally shut. They cast them out. The man comes to the Lord. Um, and, and so, again, what Jesus said has just happened. For judgment, I have come into this world. A whole bunch of the characters in this chapter, they've been judged, I believe, at this point. They're done. But there's another man who had come to the Lord at this time. He was judged righteous. Why? Because of the righteousness, the goodness, the life, death, and resurrection of, the Jesus, of Jesus Christ, which, of course, uh, this is looking to the future at this time. Verse 40, it says, Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said, Are we blind also? See, they kind of shuddered in fear. And Jesus responded, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you see, we see. Now you say, we see. Therefore, your sin remains. So they rejected Jesus Christ. Their sin remains. And there's a very good likelihood they would die in their sin. So I'm going to call the worship team up at this time. Again, as we started off with today, blindness is the human condition. And even after a man or woman or child gives their life to Jesus Christ, and I've seen this, and this is just a heartbreaking tragedy for, for now 20 years being a pastor, even someone who is born again all of a sudden can be walking in blindness. I shouldn't say all of a sudden, sorry. Don't want to go against the, the message that I just preached. Through a gradual process of saying no to God, they start walking in darkness. And so I just want, we're going to have a time of prayer now. If you've been asked to pray, please come up. We're going to just have a time of prayer. And, and uh, the Bible says that God opposes the proud. I'm going to ask you to come up if there's an area of blindness that the Lord is, has been speaking to you and saying, right there, that's blindness. That needs to change. Come up and we will pray for you. Can I have... You've been asked to come up. You can come up at this time to pray the prayer groups. The Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he exalts, he lifts up the humble. Let me tell you, if there's an area of life, of your life that there's blindness and you just don't 
if you don't come clean with God, you're living in opposition to God. But if there's an area of darkness in your life where the Lord goes, that, what Pastor Steve is saying, that, that's darkness. You need to pray. You need to come clean. You need to pray with a brother or sister. You don't have to come up to do that, of course. But the Bible does say God humbles, rather God exalts the humble. And this is a humbling thing before everyone. Powerful things have happened here for years and years because people have got up, humbled themselves, and before everyone, recognized before everyone, acknowledged before everyone that they have a need. God exalts you when that happens. He lifts you up, builds you up. Oh, have we seen that. Remember the goal of teaching through the Bible. It's what? It's that verse 38 will happen with you and you and you and you. By the end of a message, you're believing and you're worshiping the Son of God. That's the goal here. If, that, if we're not doing that, I am wasting my time. We're all wasting our time. God wants to be worshiped. The Father is seeking those to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I got to tell you, when you acknowledge darkness and you come to Him and say, okay, I, 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 I need you to, to, to make some mud out of your saliva and put it on my eyes and make me see, you'll worship. And, there, and, and, and I, I, I know that many of you in here, your eyes are wide open. There's no darkness in your life, and you're just worshiping God now. But you stand up. Let's worship. And let's go through this. If you'd like prayer, please come up. I'm going to close with a short prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name for this time. And uh, we thank you, Lord, that... Uh, I don't know, I'm worshiping now. I praise you for that. I know many are. But I pray, Father, that you, if there's anything hindering, any darkness blinding or blindness hindering worship now, Lord, by a move of the Holy Spirit in that man or woman's life, remove the darkness that they may believe and worship in Jesus' name. Amen.